Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aware Podcast. In this global podcast, Nikki and Sarah, your hosts, chat to inspirational guests who have all had a breakthrough moment in either life, leadership or business. We share our adventures as we talk through the moments, courage, laughter and insight. A big thank you to all our listeners and we hope that you're going to enjoy Season 2 as much as you did Season 1. Don't forget rate, review, subscribe and share to keep us moving forward. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello everyone. Uh, welcome Back to Aware. Season two. Season two. Mm. Uh, We're so excited today to have um, Terry McDougall with us and hear about, you know, just your life journey, your your movements in life, personally and professionally, and really um, just share with us your journey. For those that don't know, I'm Nikki Mackey. And I'm Sarah Godfrey. We always forget yeah, to we introduce forget about ourselves. Us. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so today we just want to have, you know, a conversation with you. Um, we're not very good at scripts, so um, it's really just well, about running you, through Nikki with and you. Sarah. So Thanks welcome. so much for having me. And I love having these open-ended kind of conversations, so this is perfect. Oh, wonderful. Um, we're off, just before we started recording, we were talking about Chicago, where you now are, but... Um, one of the things that grabbed me when I was uh, reading your bio and we were chatting about having a, a talk on our podcast was something that um, is fascinating to me about the effects of, and that was that at, by the age of 11, you'd moved 40 yeah. times, which is an wow. enormous amount. And that level of you know, disruption and exposure to so many different people, places and experiences um, I'm wondering if you would share a little bit what that was like to have so much disruption at such an early age yeah. and what you got from well, it. Well, you know, what did it's you funny because I, there's, there's a pros and there's cons, obviously. And, um, yeah. you know, just to give you a little bit more background about the move, my mom got pregnant with me when she was in high school. 
And so she had to drop out of high school after 10th grade. She got married to my dad. My dad, he had a high school diploma, but he's very handy, you know, he knew how to do a lot of things. And he got a job with the telephone company. And they, you know, the way I heard it from them is they decided that he would take this job that required him to move around. He actually was like on this crew of um, people doing, they were actually burying the long, long distance cable throughout the southeast in the United States. And so, you know, basically they'd be on all these like construction projects, right? So they'd be at one and they'd finish that and then they would send them elsewhere. And, you know, they were young and they wanted, I think that this was paid more money than if he had a job that just stayed in yeah. one place. So I always, you know, as I understood it, I respected the fact that they had ambitions and that they were willing to sort of work hard and sacrifice mm -hmm. to, to make the way for their family in the world. Um, you know, as a child, I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't know any different than this. Um, the, my earliest memories were my parents had saved up their money and they bought a trailer, you know, a, a trailer home. And that's what we lived in until I was in second grade, that my dad would just hitch it up to his pickup truck and go to the next city or state that his work was in and they'd find a, a lot to you know rent for the trailer and we would live there for a few weeks or a few months and then he'd move on to the next place. I can remember as a young child my mother coming in and telling me that we would move, that we'd be moving and I would just be devastated because I didn't have any context you know but I would have friends and you know little friends on the playground or whatever and I at a certain point understood that when we moved that meant that I was never gonna see those little friends anymore. And and it was heartbreaking, but I also learned, I suppose, to adapt. I mean, I didn't have any choice but to do that. Now, when I got into school, they would try to make it so that we would just be at one school for the year. And my dad, sometimes my dad might have to be away for, you know, he, I remember, at certain times that he was away and he just came home every other weekend, you know. But that allowed me and my sisters who came after me to be in school and not be disrupted. But even so, I went to a different school every year until I was in fifth grade and different states even. Um, so that was sad, but I think that it just caused me yeah. to be a lot more self-sufficient. It caused me to be very adaptable. It caused me to be able also to have uh, pretty strong powers of observation because when you're going into new situations, you have to size things up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good and you, paper can't, rate of you, know, you can't make assumptions. You know, that this is one of the things that I've noticed um, in my life, mm -hmm. you know, both in, in the workplace, but in other situations too, that, you know, people can have like this really fixed mindset, like, well, this is how things are or this is how things should be and when you've lived in as many places that i've yeah. lived i'm like no i mean that's not the case right like there's different it can be like that but it's not yeah. if you if you uh move yeah. around you start to recognize mm -hmm. patterns and, and also learn to adapt to different ways of being and I think that's probably the biggest superpower that I took out of that, you know, somewhat traumatic uh, early childhood. Yeah. It is a little traumatic, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm thinking you're very young and it's, 
um, you can see it, your parents are uh, fabulous role models. They mm-hmm. work hard. They're fearless because they're young. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have this, even though they're young, they have this lovely understanding of stability <laughs> is still key for children and they're doing everything they can to create that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering about things yeah. like trust and long-term relationships. Did it take you a while to work out how that functions because of those short-term yeah, I mean, relationships you're exposed to? Yeah, that's great insight. Uh, it took me, I, I mean, I still have a hard time, I guess, relaxing into friendships easily. You know how sometimes people can just like meet somebody and it's yeah. like they've been best friends forever. That I'm not like that. I, I'm very self-sufficient. And I suppose if there's, if there's a downside to that um, self-sufficiency and adaptability, it's maybe not really wanting to be vulnerable, you know, because going, you know, when I think about going into the new schools Mm. and so Mm. forth, you don't know who the nice kids are, right? Like you don't know who the potential bully might be on the playground. And so, you know, going into new situations Mm -hmm. like that, I mean, I sort of learned, I, I look at it now as an adult, looking back, I understand what I was doing. I didn't understand what I was doing back then, but I was going into these situations kind of armored, right? Mm -hmm. So I could keep myself safe. I wasn't showing a lot of who I was because I didn't, I didn't want to be vulnerable around people that I didn't know if I could trust them or not. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because. Yeah. And especially with, um, Bonding, you know, bonding with yes. when you're little, bonding with your new bestie, and that the grief, you know, that ongoing grief yeah. of having to leave people you care yeah. about, yeah. because over time, you know, that investment starts to be uh, too traumatic. It's too difficult yeah. to keep loving yeah. and leaving and loving so and leaving. Stop, so yeah, stop putting yeah. it out there. And it, you know, it's funny because I get along with people and. I mean, I think the the good thing is that in a lot, especially in elementary school, that there's always a kid in the class that wants to, you know, take the new kid under the wing, right? So there were always, you know, more assertive kids that would be like, hey, come on, you're going to be my new best friend now. And and I was, you know, adaptable enough to be like, okay. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't like I didn't have friends. It just was that it was maybe... You know, somebody else was deciding, like, I want to be friends with her. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll be friends with you. I wasn't really risking a lot because it just felt too risky. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, Sarah touched on it as well with your parents. Um, You know, that inherent sacrifice in the sense. I know in my family there was a similar story. We lived in a certain part of Australia. And um, it only actually recently came out when my father passed away that, they made a decision. He left his best career, his favorite thing, because he wanted to create opportunity mm-hmm. for the family. And it sounds that, you know, that's exactly what your family, you know, your parents did um, and sacrificed some time together so that you could stay in one place for a whole year of school. Um, how do you feel that that has you know, created that base for you of, you know, really sticking at things. Do you think yeah, that, that I mean, I has think that influence? the role modeling that my parents did for me about working hard, setting your mind to something, um, persevering to make sure that whatever your goal is was met, I saw them doing that. And so I, I said to myself, okay, yeah. I can make that happen too. And then there also is, you know, an aspect to this that, I had to make things work. I did not have a choice. I did not 
you know, when I was in second grade, I didn't want to have yeah. to be the new girl walking into the classroom where everybody knew each other since <laughs> kindergarten or even before, mm -hmm. but I didn't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so when you have to face up to things that you might otherwise want to avoid, you develop courage, you know, and you develop yeah. a different perspective that honestly, if I had a choice, I probably would have never developed it <laughs> because who wants to deal with it? Yeah. Do you have the skills and success, but perhaps not as much as you deserve? Often that's because we are so focused on helping others achieve their goals. We don't focus on reaching our own potential. AWARE solves this challenge. It's a tailored program that focuses on enhancing your own personal leadership style. What is working, what needs to be turbocharged, and what needs to be eliminated. Only by becoming truly aware of the real impact you can have can you unleash your full leadership potential. AWARE is an investment in yourself so you can grow your success even further than you dreamed in three simple steps. Become aware of your leadership impact and style Evaluate and become aware of your outcomes and pulse check and tailor the AWARE program to optimize your leadership. We have eight growth mindsets to become a leader of the future and you can select as many of these as you like or you can book a personalized coaching session and we will select the first five growth mindsets that will enhance your emerging or legacy leadership right now. Come and find your leadership style at aware.online. Do, do you think that's what's anchored your coaching yeah. Yeah. career? This this inbuilt resilience that it, it's not about what you want life to give you. Life gives you and then you have to work out how to, how to manage that mm. and grow from that. Is that kind of, you know, as I said earlier, this success yep. but not satisfied um, tagline about your business I yeah. really love because it, it sounds like that little 11 year old girl like I'm doing this fine yeah. but maybe I'm not completely happy with with parts of the experience yeah. has that been kind of you yeah. that theme running through you for your life that, that yes, led you I think to coaching that I had somebody ask me not too long ago like you know what what are you best at from a coaching standpoint and the things that I, I think I'm best at are being empathetic because I have felt all the feels, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I've been in a lot of scary situations that yeah. I didn't want to be in, but I had to, and I had to, I know what it feels like to be the new kid or to be embarrassed or yeah. to feel helpless. I know what that feels like. And so when I'm encountering mm -hmm. somebody that needs to face change, and they want to, but they're scared. I know what that feels like. I can I can sit with them in that, you know, and yeah. just be with them, right? Because I've been there. Um, but on the flip side of that, if you want change, you have to take action even in the face of that fear. And I've also walked that yeah. path. I didn't want to have to walk into a school that I didn't know mm -hmm. at all. I didn't want to have to once again, you know, learn things that other children already knew. But because of that, yeah. I was able to, you know, quickly identify patterns. And weirdly enough, like I'm good at understanding geography. <laughs> you know, and I think that might just be from like that layout of so many schools over all the years to be able yeah. to envision that. But yeah. I think that that's, that's sort of the balance is to be able to sit with someone and understand their emotions, to be empathetic, but also to say, you know, you're feeling like that mm -hmm. and that's fine. And if you yeah. want things to be different, you're going to have to take yeah. action. 
you know, to, so the courage and the empathy, I think, together works pretty well from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, and I think it, it really um, it really resonates with me. And, you know, as you're talking, you know, those words of empathy certainly come to me. But I think that authenticity and the, such significant mm-hmm. value of the lived experience and the openness to be able to say, look, I get you, yes, my situation may have been different, but I understand, you know, the heartstring it pulls. I understand and can assimilate being in that moment. And, you know, that must give yourself and everyone that you work with such, you know, those penny, sort of the penny dropping for people of what that means must be um, fantastic. And I really also love that Mm -hmm. it is about that courage, isn't it? to just go, okay, this is the life I've been dealt. So I'm going to, I have a choice here. I have a term called um, uh, radical acceptance, you know. You just have to accept the situation. Like there's (laughs) nothing going on and on about it is what it is. And then uh, then you you work with that acceptance. So let's get over the fact that you don't want that to happen. It is. It's happening. Now let's move forward. What can you do about it? What is. And, you know, I think because of me having to face certain things that I didn't want to face and having to continue make forward action, I know it's possible for other people to do that too. And, you know, to to your point, sometimes people do get really attached to the emotional feelings about what's happening. And, uh, and in mm-hmm. fact, I see it a lot in my, my coaching, um, especially, you know, maybe in the, the first session or in the exploratory call where somebody's very attached to the pain that they're feeling like, oh, I just, you know, my, my job's just intolerable and I can't take this yeah. and, you know, very attached to the pain. And it's fine. You know, we can acknowledge and validate. Sure, there's mm-hmm. reasons why you're feeling like that. It's normal. But at some point, we've got to flip it and say, let's start to envision what you would like this to look like so that you're not in pain, so that you are happy. And sometimes that's difficult for people to do Mm. because the negativity is, Mm. it kind of serves a little bit as a a protection against disappointment. You know, if we say, oh, well, you know, this always happens Mm, to me and it's never going to be different. Well, that protects you from taking action. If If you're telling yourself like, oh, I can't ever have anything different. But it also traps you in your current situation. It's, it's funny Absolutely. how we, we always want our comfort zones, you know. Even though we know we're not happy, we mm-hmm. still want to sit in our comfort That's zones. Correct. Um, and it's strange for human beings because, we, you know, by nature we're quite adventurous and change is mm-hmm. always with us within ourselves. I mean, we change from mm. a child to an adult and everything in between. And yet when we actually are told change is here, the resistance kicks in so quickly, doesn't it? It does, and I think everyone needs an anchor. Everyone holds on to something, and as you said, it's 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 the pain, it's the mm-hmm. fear, it's whatever it is, but that anchor holds us, and it's about, um, you know, how we can release that and, and change what it looks like. And, you know, I think you being able to dive into your own life experiences you know, really is such a valuable tool and I can see why you're so successful and sought after as a coach. So tell us a bit about winning the game of work. What what was what's that about and why I mean you can hear your positivity running through your life, mm-hmm. like, you know, just get on with life and find the, find the shiny bit and hold on to that. So winning the game of work. I love the title of winning because we love to win, but the yeah. game of work was interesting Yeah, well, me. so. Well, tell me about that a bit. You know, 
I was first generation college graduate in my family. I, I would say that I was <laughs> ambitious. I was good at school. And I, I, I actually think now, like looking back, that I really liked school because that was an area of my life where it was all mapped out, right? Like I knew what was expected. I could just show up. I had a, a modicum of control. <laughs> at school. And so I really loved it. And I did well at school and then, you know, got into a good college. My, thankfully, my parents always encouraged that. But I think that I really wanted to make it in the corporate world because, again, it was a control thing. I wanted to go out, use my intelligence and my work ethic to make a good yeah. living so that I could have the kind of life that I wanted you know, maybe a little bit because of the deprivation of not having that stability when I was a child. But what I discovered was that the skills and approach that makes you good at school is not the same as what makes you successful at work. And I, you know, got into the workplace and I was just yeah. really a little confused about what I needed to do differently to get the results that I wanted. And I'm pretty persistent and I observed and asked for what I wanted and read books and along the way hired coaches. And luckily for me, I had a couple of mentors and one in particular who, you know, saw a lot of potential in me, but also sort of took me under his wing and started, you know, kind of pulling back the veil of what was going on at work. Cause I would say like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Why are those two executives not cooperating on this? You know, and he'd say, well, they're both in competition for the job above them. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I, I never really thought about what other people's motivations were. And yeah. that if you really start to step back and see that, it really is like a game. Um, yeah. And I think most people are just, I mean, I'm talking to a couple of Aussies, so talk about um, rugby, right? You know, in, in rugby, when people are in the scrum, right? They're so close <laughs> to that ball and everything that's going on and they're putting so much energy into that. And yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about rugby except for the scrum, but mm -hmm. moving back from that, like you get to see the whole field rather <laughs> than this like microscopic, so close to the situation. And I think most people approach mm -hmm. what, you know, their careers like mm -hmm. they're in the scrum. You know, and, and if, if they're not getting the results that they want, they stay in the scrum and they just push harder yes. and push harder rather than let, let's zoom out and see what else is going on here. And it really is like seeing the whole playing field. And when you start to see the whole playing field, you start to see other avenues to get to score. Um, and you can also start thinking about, like, who are the other players that I'm playing with? Like, yeah. what are their tendencies? How do I learn to play? You know, it's like playing poker or something. You start to learn people's tells. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's not like you're just playing the cards that are in your hand. You're also playing the players. Hi, and welcome to Aware. I'm Nikki Mackey. And, and I'm Sarah Godfrey. My partner in crime. <laughs> and that's true. And we are Aware, where we chat to inspirational guests who have all had breakthrough moments in life. So join us as they share their stories that inspire, leave us a little awestruck about how brilliant and brave people really are in life. From the Boston terror attacks, 9-11 research, those that have found that inner spiritual connection, we all learn and dig deep 
to discover what really matters. Be with us as we share our insight, our own hurdles with the guests, bringing a lot of laughter, a few tears every now and then, and deep self-awareness. The long, hard grind to becoming aware is full of struggles and successes. But most importantly, when shared, can inspire and motivate others. That's right. This is a fresh, raw and real look and how the path to self-awareness, well, it's never straightforward. Join Aware and learn more about yourself and others. We are on ACAST, Spotify, iTunes and all great podcast sites. That's why I love poker. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a poker kit for my Christmas present for my kids because <laughs> I just love determining what it is that's the, yeah. that little sign that tells Absolutely. you something interesting about that person. <laughs> yeah, you can't go to a dinner party with her because she's like she's unpacking you. Why, why, why are you there going, profession. hey, what like what's she going to do next? It's really hard. But Terry, one of the, the territory. Yeah, that's right. Um, Terry, one of the really interesting things is what's your advice, I suppose, to to coach to other coaches um, as to you know and and leaders how they can open their minds to get out of the scrum and sort of see those possibilities and yeah. get outside sort of the the micro level. Um, what do they need in their toolkit to be able to do that? Well, I mean, I think that first of all, getting into a mindset where where you start to believe that what you want is possible, right? So that growth mindset yeah. that it's possible. Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. people can just get kind of stuck in this fixed mindset that, oh, well, this is the way it is. I guess I'll just have to, you know, suffer or whatever. And I also have, I mean, I tend to work with high achievers, and, uh, yep. and that's why I talk about working with successful but not satisfied because the high achievers, mm-hmm. they are so uh, conditioned to you know, go for the brass ring that they will sacrifice to the point of pain yes. often. Pain and yeah, burnout yes. and anxiety. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I got the promotion, but now I'm so exhausted, I can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think- And my yeah. family have left me and my friends don't want anything to do with me because I'm bothered. Yeah. It does happen, right? It's you the imbalance. High level executives that end up getting divorced or their kids won't talk mm-hmm. to them because yep. they've not you know, maintained a balance. I, what I've seen with high achievers is that when they're faced with a challenge, typically their first instinct is to double down, it's to go faster, it's to take mm-hmm. on more. And in that moment, when they start to feel that that pull to just do what they've always done, yeah. just, I'm going to go for the extra credit, I'm going to do more, mm-hmm. is to stop, yep. take a beat and, and ask themselves, mm-hmm. is that really what I need to do? Maybe what I need to do is zoom out and look at the mm-hmm. bigger picture and and. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tools that I share in the book that Mm. can help people to understand maybe how they decide what they do next. But one that I use Mm. all the time, and it's the Eisenhower Matrix, which I learned about in Stephen Mm. Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where you've got urgency Mm. on one axis and importance on the other Mm. axis. Everybody works on the urgent and important first, typically, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing that they work on second is the urgent and not important. And then they don't pay any attention to the important and not urgent Mm -hmm. until it's a, you know, dumpster fire and it's urgent. And then that's what gets people feeling like they're on that hamster wheel that never slows down and they can never get off. And so when we Mm -hmm. zoom out we can start to make very conscious decisions about how we 
invest our time and our energy and you yeah. know, how we can build process to deal with some of those urgent but not important things. So it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm never going to touch that. It's I'm going to delegate yeah. that or I'm going to build a do it yourself mm -hmm. system for people to get mm -hmm. what they need, but I don't have to do it. So mm -hmm. I can so mm -hmm. I can yeah. work on uh, the important but not urgent. Terry, I think one of the things that really and the reason I asked that question around your, your biggest advice, I think exactly as you said, I love the zoom out. You know, we focus so often on the matrix, on the theory, on the what we should do. Mm -hmm. And zooming out to just really open our eyes and, and see what's going to make a difference and is it really satisfying our goals, I think is so important. And um, unfortunately, I haven't had an opportunity to read your book yet, Winning the Game of Work, but I can tell you. You'll be on our It's on our list um, because, and we've just had, you know, our holiday period, yeah. so we're ready for some, some new mm. books. And, you know, I really love this concept and, you know, to all our audience mm. and our listeners mm. can't um, support you enough in really saying to people, jump on board and as mm. other coaches, um, as individuals and leaders... That art of zooming out is something that I think can't be undervalued at all. Yeah, I, I also think that it's important for us to recognize that we're always at choice. And yeah. I, I can tell you that I've had people say, no, I, I, I have no choice. I can't, you know, I have no choice but to tolerate this horrible mm -hmm. situation. And, you know, I, I have to remind people that, no, you always are cho at choice. Now, there are always consequences that go along with your choice, but you can make any choice you want at any moment. Like you could, if your job is intolerable, you could literally never set foot in that place again. No, if, or never zoom in again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you zoom, I guess I should say, because some of us aren't going into a, a physical building, but yeah. You can make choices, right? And sometimes just recognizing that might be enough to allow people to, you know, relax enough to maybe see other options for yeah. how they can show up differently. Well, I would ask everyone listening to make the choice of getting your book. Um, we, we'll review it. We'll get it and, and read it and maybe Absolutely. have you back on to talk a little more in depth about some of the concepts because, I'm, you know, I'm, I love your attitude. Um there are people who are just uh, organically positive and you're one of those. Yeah. Um, but we're also pain avoidance. So when we're incredibly positive, we really don't like the negative. So I'd love to look at the book and unpack some of that with mm. you and um, some of the games and some of the skills that you've brought to your coaching. Um, Terry, I know Chicago, we talked about Chicago. We're, we're planning, you know, like the Griswolds family adventure. That's right. And Chicago's on our Of the on Aware podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> so Chicago will be our drop-in centre. It's been an incredible pleasure hearing your story and um, loved talking to you, uh, like-minded with the attitude about life and about yeah. how to draw from it your best. Thank you so much for sharing with us. For everyone um, at the end of this podcast, we'll put all our uh, Terry's links so you can uh, chase her up, follow her up. Uh, you've got the podcast, isn't it, Marketing Mambo? Marketing Mambo, yeah. I, my career, mm. 30 years in marketing. And uh, I do coach a lot of people in marketing and advertising now, but I, I really just started the podcast because I love talking to marketers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, uh, I'll get my son onto it because that's the area he's going into it. But um, we'll give everyone all your links. But for now, thank you so much, Terry. It's been enlightening. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you, Sarah and Nikki. It was great talking to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to the Aware Podcast and we really hope you enjoyed our guest's insight and the little quiz at the end just for a bit of fun. Music for the Aware Podcast is by Tape Machine featuring LFA. The song title is This Is Who I Am. If you would like to be a guest or contact us regarding the Aware platform, please email awarearcgroup at gmail.com. That's awarearcgroup at gmail.com. We are Nikki Mackey and Sarah Godfrey. See you next time. From the final